Good. I was only gone one week, and it feels like I've been gone like six. It's weird. But welcome. Good morning. It is very, very good to be back here with you all. Um, I was gone because Natalie and I had the privilege of having our second daughter uh, about 10 days ago. All right. So there's a picture of us. This is like two hours old. Okay. You can go to the next one. This is... I knew it. Okay, go ahead to the next one. (laughs) All right. That is her as well. And then one more, I think. There you go. That's us, all right? That's our new little family. If you want any awes, anytime you speak, just show a picture of a baby, and you'll immediately get awes, all right? Um, I show that somewhat as an intro so you can see the baby, somewhat as a joke, um, because today we're actually going to be talking about rest. And I am either very overqualified or underqualified at the moment to talk about rest, because I'm getting a lot less of it over the past couple of days. Um, So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and grab them. Uh, We are going to be jumping all around today, so... Uh, feel free to kind of thumb around with us. If you don't have a Bible, there should be some under every second and third chair. If you don't own a Bible, would you please take and keep that? Uh, that's our gift to you. We want you to have the word to be able to use it at home. So please feel free to, to follow along in that way. You can also follow along on your smartphone if you want. If you have a smartphone, uh, you could pull that out. If you have the Bible app underneath the tab section, click on live, type in the well Austin. You can follow along that way. Or you can take this link right here and you can put that into your browser, and you'll actually be able to follow along that way. Uh, There are notes, uh, polls, places for prayer requests, all that, and all the scripture will be up there, which we'll be doing a lot of it today. So uh, definitely would encourage you to grab the word somehow. I want you to see what we're talking about is coming from the word of God and not something that we're kind of making up or kind of think it's a good idea all on our own. All right. So like I said, today we'll be talking about rest, okay? And uh, this is honestly a topic that I struggle with just kind of in general. All right, like in general, I have somewhat of a hard time really resting well. I'm literally always moving. All right, so even when I am like supposed to be sitting still, I'm still moving. I'm tapping a pen or I'm clicking my foot or I'm moving my mouth, which for those of you who know me know I do that a lot, okay? I am not very much by nature a rester, if you will. But I love the topic, okay, very deeply, mainly because it's been deeply convicting to me personally. Like I feel like this is something that I struggle with and I desire to grow in. And so it's been challenging. I hope it's challenging for you. Plus Bob is in Brazil right now. So I had to teach this anyway, all right? Um, But uh, in all seriousness, I think that God has designed us as a people for rest. He's actually designed our bodies, our very personhood for rest in his very creation. And I think more so than ever before, we live in a culture that really, really struggles with rest, right? I mean, are y'all feeling that as well, that even as you've grown up, even if you're younger, even if you're in your very, very early 20s, you know that it's probably a lot harder to rest today than it was even just 10 years ago, okay, because of the way that our culture is. And so I think some of this is honestly due to social media, right? Like it's, it's very easy for us to not like literally sleep because we're on our phones and stuff or to not allow our minds to just relax because we got to check what's going on next. I think that some of it is a bad work-life balance as... Uh, our culture has progressed. We've become more and more dedicated to work and less and less dedicated toward rest and restoration and celebration even. I think that some of it may be due to our own pride and our own arrogance, which is something that I personally deal with the most and you'll hear in a second. And I think some of it could even be something really simple like lights, right? Like 500 years ago, they didn't have lights. And so how were they going to stay awake at night unless you had a little candle and you didn't want to do that for too long and so you went to sleep, okay? And then with the invention 
mention of lights and technology and all the other things that are good things, I think that ultimately it has stolen a little bit from our rest. We aren't as restful as a people as I think that God has actually created and intended for us to be. And so we literally have the ability today in our culture, uh, more than almost any generation before us, to stay awake to always be working because we have email on our phone and on our computers and to always be moving, to always be active and to not actually rest. Rest seems to be lacking a lot, okay? So Dr. Ned Hallowis, who is a psychiatrist and an expert on the brain and what technology does to the brain, has actually been studying the brain, technology, and rest for the past several years. That's kind of his niche, if you will. And he has a term that's called screen sucking, okay, in which a screen, so your phone or a tablet or a TV uh, sucks away your ability to really rest well. The reason he says is because we actually get a dopamine hit from constantly checking our phones. All right, so literally, like something happens in your brain, in your body, when you pull out your phone and go to check it, you get a little dopamine hit. And he says that that's why, whether it's CNN or ESPN or Facebook or whatever your kind of uh, niche is, that's why it's really easy for you to keep going back to it, okay? I didn't ask him if I could share this, but I'm sure he won't mind. I just won't look over at him. But Jake Ridley, one of our elders, all right, uh, he actually joked with me once that, uh, uh, that uh, one of his addictions is checking his phone. He said it's kind of like taking a puff of a cigarette, right? Like when he's kind of bored or when he's kind of like has nothing to do, he just kind of puff, puff, right? And it's like the new version of cigarettes almost. You just pull it out and there's something to do. It gives you something to do rather than just rest. And so Dr. Ned Hallowis actually uh, said that multitasking causes the brain to overheat in a sense, that your brain actually needs a period of about five minutes a couple of times a day to just do nothing and to just simply rest. So throughout the day, your brain needs to stop to kind of pause and to just allow it to be, to not do anything, but just to rest. And this doesn't come even from sleeping or, or, or napping, but just literally just being. And so whether it is physical sleep or, or just kind of mental rest, or as we'll talk about later, spiritual rest, I think that in our culture, we are designed not to rest as a people. And so it's hard for us. So scripture has a ton to say about rest. And so we're going to be jumping around. I want to show you both the dangers of not resting, but I also want to show you the joy of what rest really is. And what does it look like to truly rest, okay? And so like in the four other sermons that we did, I actually want to start in Genesis. So you can turn there, Genesis chapter two, um, right at the beginning, all right, two or three pages into your Bible. The reason I want to start there is because I want to show you that this was intended by God before the fall actually happened, okay? So before sin entered the world, before there was a bunch of brokenness, before there were a bunch of things wrong, God actually intended for us to rest from the beginning, so this is part of the Imago Dei, we call it, or the image of God. You have been created by God in a certain way, and one of those ways that he's created you is to be a being that desires to rest, okay? So Genesis chapter 2, let's pick it up in verse 1. Thus, the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. On the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all of his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it, God rested from all of his work that he had done in creation. So we see here that God himself is resting, okay? Now, let me ask you a somewhat rather obvious question um, that I would like for you to answer out loud, all right? Y'all ready? 
Joey kind of pre-prepped you already this morning. Okay, I want you to answer out loud. So uh, if the Lord your God rested, do you think it is important for us to rest? All right, good job. Thir- 13 of y'all, that was pretty good, all right? Yes, right? Like God, if he himself has rested, then it's probably important for us being created in his image to also rest as well. Now, people may be tempted to think that resting is only sleeping. And that's not all that I'm talking about today, though we actually are going to hit on sleeping. But we're talking about a little bit more. That's part of rest, but it's indeed only a part. Because even if you look at this verse here, I think it gives us great insight into an even deeper type of rest that Scripture lays out throughout it. Why do I say that? Well, because does God sleep, we have to ask. Like it says that God rested. So is we, are we talking about sleep here? Psalm chapter 121, verses 3 through 4 says this. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. All right? So this is the Lord, God, who keeps Israel, neither slumbers nor sleeps, Scripture says. And so God isn't sleeping. And so this verse must be saying more than just God took a nap. All right? That's not actually what this is saying at all. There's a deeper sense of rest in which Scripture lays throughout it for us. And so we'll see here that it's not just sleep, all right? God indeed intended sleep. He indeed intended rest, but it actually goes even deeper. And so more than just your seven to nine hours, okay, or for some of you, nine to 13 hours, all right? Especially if you're in college and it's a Saturday, all right? Like he intended more and more than, uh, or more than just rest, more than just sleeping, if you will, all right? Now, just like the four other sermons, God intended us for something. He created us in a specific way, but then the fall happened, right? Sin entered into the world. We tried to be our own gods. We tried to do things on our own. We tried to make up our own rules, and then things began to crumble underneath that, all right? So Genesis chapter 3, Adam and Eve get deceived by the serpent. They eat of the fruit, and it says that the knowledge of good and evil happened. And then God comes through Genesis 3.15, a beautiful verse, promises that a Savior will come to save us from this, all right, but then in the midst of that, there's going to be struggles from this, okay? And so Genesis chapter 3, verse 17 says this. And to Adam he said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and you have eaten of the tree, which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Listen, in pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. This sounds like the opposite of rest, right? Like thorns and thistles are going to be producing by the sweat of your brow. It's going to be hard to live on this earth. It's not going to be peaceful or restful the way that it was intended to be. Now work itself is actually the opposite of rest. Work is work, which is why we call it work now, right? And so you have to now work it out. And even if you go back one verse to the woman's uh, 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 curse, if you will, uh, she got cursed with uh, childbearing, right? And it says that you will in pain bring forth children and in pain raise them up. It says you will bear them and raise them up in pain. And so both for women and for men, there's this lack of rest that seems to happen, whether you work or whether you are rearing children, which I can tell you is not restful, okay? Like it is just a hard world that we live in to some extent. There's a lack of rest that happens. God intended us to rest, and through the fall, we tend to be cursed with the inability to rest well. And even the things around us, the ground, childbearing, uh, provide a way to rest even less, 
right? And so we're kind of in a predicament here. It'll be hard for us to rest, okay? Because of the gospel of Jesus, we should begin to see the reversal of this actually happening. We should begin to be moving more and more toward an Eden-like state, toward a restful state, like Genesis chapter two, or better yet, we should be returning closer and closer to eternity with Christ where there will be true rest as a people of God. And so throughout this sermon, I want you to realize if you call yourself a Christian, if you say Jesus is my savior, there is a rest for you that is a beautiful and a sweet rest. And scripture lays it out all throughout the pages. If you're not a Christian, if you're uh, seeking or or trying to figure out this whole Christianity thing or, or just wondering what this looks like, I think that this is one of the hopes of Christianity is that there is true rest for the people of God. That instead of feeling the burden, feeling the pressure, feeling the weight of work or of pain or of sin or whatever it may be, that there's truly rest for the people of God. And that's what we're going to be looking at today, okay? Um, Now, I'm not going to spend a lot of time telling us how we're all fallen in this area because I assume that a lot of you feel overworked, overstressed, and overburdened. Am I right? Yes, several head nods, okay? There are probably very few of you who just naturally tend to rest really, really well. Or you struggle with the opposite, you're lazy, And laziness is actually a counterpart to rest, as we'll look at in a minute. And so uh, a lot of this is because of how we're spending our time, right? We're not spending our time the way that Scripture actually lays it out for us. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 through 17, you don't have to turn there, it'll be on the screen, but it says, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Rest is a command all throughout Scripture. The way we use our time is commanded that we use it well all throughout throughout scripture. Okay, so that's what we're going to be looking at today. So if you uh, have a Bible, go ahead and turn Deuteronomy chapter 5. We're going to spend some time there. Um, Deuteronomy chapter 5, and we're going to pick it up in verse 12. Deuteronomy 5 verse 12 says, observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day to the Lord your God. On it, you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your ox or your donkey or your livestock or the sojourner who is with you in the gates, that your male servant, your female servant may rest as well as you. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. And the Lord your God brought you from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. All right. Now I find it interesting that out of all the commandments, all the 10 commandments, this is the commandment that we try to pass off the most, right? Like nobody looks at the commandment, you shall not murder and kind of says, do we really still have to follow that command? Like I would really prefer to murder people, right? Or like you shall have no other gods before the Lord your God. Nobody says, I would really love several other gods before God. Do we really have to listen to the 10 commandments, right? But with Sabbath, for some reason, Okay, we tend to try to pass it off as if it's an Old Testament command, as if it doesn't re-show up in the New Testament, as if it doesn't still command us of a rest. Now, part of this may be a lack of understanding and how to interpret the Old Testament into the New Testament. I do think it could be part of it. But I think a lot of it is actually the culture that we live in. And we get sucked into the cultural kind of lies, if you will, that tells us you only have worth if you produce as much as you are able to produce. That's the only time you have significance or true value or true worth is if you do, 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 right? And I think that because we live in that type of culture, we get sucked into it really easily and we quickly disobey some very clear commandments in scripture for rest. Listen, this commandment is not for your burden, it's for your joy. 
All right? All of God's commandments are like that, Scripture says. But if you think about it, this one's really easy to see that. Right? Like some of them is kind of hard to see. Like if it's like, hey, you can't uh, get drunk and kind of do whatever you want to do. It's like, well, I kind of like doing that, you might say. Right? But this one's really easy. Like it's telling you, take a nap. <laughs> all right? Like you can go ahead and rest. This is good for you. And we would all say, yeah, I love that. That's, I want that. Okay? But we so easily try to pass it off. When I was in college, um, I used to very much be a disobeyer of this command in particular. All right? Um, I was very, uh, I kind of have a workaholic mentality in general. And to be honest, I said pride and arrogance may be one of the reasons why we don't rest well. Well, that was one of my struggles throughout college, okay? So I used to get anywhere between like three and a half to five hours of sleep a night. And the reason that I would do that is because I would be discipling different men, all right? Now, it sounds very spiritual, right? Like, and that was honestly what I was doing. I wasn't like watching ESPN Sports Center over and over and over again, right? Like I would meet with some guys pretty late at night, and then I would get up pretty early and I would meet with different guys or, or have Bible studies or whatever it may have been. And my justification was, I am being spiritual, therefore I don't need to rest, all right? Like that's what I kept saying. I am being spiritual. Why do I need to rest? I am helping others. I am I'm doing the work of the ministry. I'm, I'm serving the Lord. Why is it that I would need to rest? And in reality, that's arrogant. Because to some extent, I thought that God needed me. Right? Like if I didn't disciple this guy, then who would? If I didn't wake up and, and create this Bible study for this guy, then who would? If I didn't meet with this group of people, then, then who would? So to some extent, God needs me, and so I'm going to rest a lot less, and I'm going to try to be spiritual and justify it in my spirituality. Although, I don't know if there was a singular class throughout college that I did not fall asleep in. <laughs> All right, and that sounds kind of funny. I'm being dead serious, okay? In pretty much every single class. So, so I'm lacking in something that's really clear in the Bible that we should honor our employer or that we should work well. I'm a student, so I should be working well as a student. I'm dishonoring that because I'm justifying it by saying, well, I'm being spiritual. I don't, I don't need to rest as much. And I think that a lot of us do that in many different ways. Maybe it's work right now. Maybe it's uh, laziness. Maybe it's uh, too much overly entertained or whatever it may be. But I think it's really easy for us to fall in some trap that will get us to not rest as the people of God. Okay. So the Sabbath, one of the reasons it exists is to remind us that we're not God. The Sabbath reminds us that we actually have somebody over us who never slumbers, who never rests, who's always working for and on our behalf, and it reminds us that we're not him. A lot of the reformers, a lot of the, the old Puritans, they used to do the same thing. They would never sleep. They would sleep like three to four hours a night, and they would work and work and work, and they all died when they were like 48, <laughs> right? Like if you know any church history, you know they all died super young. Why? Because the time allotted to them was the time allotted to them. <laughs> Right? And they couldn't cheat that, but they were trying to because they thought that God needed them to do something. They were doing the work of the Lord. And so maybe it doesn't sound as spiritual. Maybe you're wrestling with it in different ways. But I think it's easy for us even to try to spiritualize the absence of true rest and to try to not rest, though it's a clear command in Scripture, though we need it, though rest is actually for our joy. Okay? And so um, I want to look at four ways in which the Bible commands not suggest, but commands, all right, our rest. I want to look at what we want to do with each of those commandments, okay? So the first one is physical rest, all right? It's kind of what we're talking about. The Bible stresses the importance of physical rest, all right? In Psalm 127, verse 2, it says, It is vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. 
right? You like that verse? Circle that verse, okay? It is in vain that you go to bed really, really late or wake up really, really early because to his beloved, to the people whom God loves, he gives them rest. He gives them sleep. They're able to rest well. Sleep is vitally important for one's physical, emotional, and even your spiritual health, right? I would like to see you get two hours of sleep a night, wake up, and have a quiet time. It ain't happening, all right? Like God is getting slept on as he often does when I do that, okay? So it's important even for our spiritual health. It's important. Even Jesus was sleeping at times, right? We see in the gospel, Jesus was on a boat and there was a storm coming, okay? And it says that Jesus was in the lower quadrant sleeping kind of through the storm. Now, if I was a disciple, I would think that we would die even if the wave was only like two feet high, okay? Because I don't really like water at all. Perpetuating stereotypes a little bit, all right? But... (laughs) The disciples, okay, a lot of them were trained fishermen. They knew what they were doing. This is what they did for a life, and they thought that they were going to die. So they started freaking out, and they ran down. They woke up Jesus and said, why are you sleeping at a time like this? Jesus got up, rebuked the winds and the waves. They quieted down. He said that they had a little faith, right? But one of the things that we see is that Jesus physically was literally resting, He was literally sleeping. So the Son of Man sleeps when he has on human flesh, okay? He commands us to sleep. Physical rest is a vital thing. Listen to some of these statistics I found on several different sleep studies that have been done over the past 35 years, all right? After one night of sleep, you are hungrier and you eat more, okay? Uh, It triples your risk of an accident. Uh, It triples your risk of catching a cold. You actually lose brain tissue, You're more emotional, okay? Studies have shown that you're about 60% more reactive. If you don't believe this, it's because you're not married, okay? When your spouse, you can laugh at that. It's okay, your spouse knows, okay? When your spouse gets less sleep, they are more reactive the next day, right? And they're a little bit more on edge, okay? 60%. You have a harder time remembering things throughout the day. After a while, though, so after two to three months of not sleeping well almost every day, your stroke risk quadruples, your obesity risk goes way up, which probably says to you being hungry and eating more, your risk of cancer goes up, and actually studies have been showing they go up about 50% your risk of cancer. Diabetes risk goes way up, your heart disease risk goes up, you're 48% for heart disease more likely to develop and die from a specific heart disease. Uh, Your sperm count decreases by 29%, so it affects uh, 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 reproduction and stuff. And then your risk of death actually goes up. Now, they only did the study for men. I don't know why. But your risk of death goes up uh, 14 years for a man. So men who tend to sleep a lot less tend to die 14 years earlier than men who sleep well throughout their life. So this is, I mean, some crazy stats, right? Like, like we don't even need scripture to really point out that we need to physically sleep, right? Like, we actually need rest. But scripture just reaffirms that. It says, look, Jesus sleep. God had made you for rest. He gives his beloved sleep. Okay, so one application for today, you can write this down. Go to sleep. Okay? Like, seriously, that's one of the applications. Go to sleep, okay? Like, you can rest. It is okay. You're not going to miss the next coolest status. It'll be there in the morning, all right? You're not going to miss that one, you know, fanatic touchdown. You'll see it on replays, all right? You're not going to get that two more emails that you can send out. Really can't wait till the morning, probably. Nothing's catching on fire, right? Like, like you can rest. You can sleep, okay? God gives his beloved sleep, it says, all right? And so um, I know that as a kid, you hate sleep, 
but you're an adult now. Take advantage of loving naps, all right? My daughter's in the stage where she hates naps. She like tries to delay for like 25 minutes going to sleep. So she'll like lay on the floor, get in bed, get out of bed, throw an animal, say, oh, my animal's on the floor. And then I have to go get it. And then she'll need this blanket, need that blanket. She thinks she's being slick, which I probably thought that I was being slick when I was a kid too. And now I realize we ain't slick, right? Like our parents really know, but she wants to not rest. But look, like you now get the privilege, scripture even lays out for you of resting, sleep, rest well, okay? There's another thing on vegging. I think that's a, a part of it too, but I think that it's important for us to just relax, just to be, all right? Just to be kind of what God has made us to be. Now, one of the ways that you can actually rest well, that you can sleep well, is actually by working hard, okay? One of the ways you can rest well is actually by working hard. Ecclesiastes chapter five, verse 12 says this, sweet is the sleep of a laborer, whether he eats little or much, but the full of stomach and the rich will not let him sleep. Okay, so the, the person who doesn't work well, the person who, do, who already has a lot, who doesn't feel the need to work as much, like he won't sleep as well as the laborer who works well. So there's kind of this balance here in scripture of work life where we work hard and then we sleep well. And that's one of the things that God has intended for us. Okay, in Proverbs, laziness and rest are often tied together as well. Like the lazy man is not just the man who sits on his couch and doesn't do anything, but the lazy man is actually the man who doesn't l- learn how to use his time wisely. One of the things that Proverbs Proverbs over and over says is how to rest well. So if you don't know how to rest well, it's actually lazy. You're not using your time well, scripture says. And so it's important, it's wise, if you will, to try to rest because God gives his people rest. So dare I say, I think that physical rest is actually a picture of the spiritual rest that we all need in Christ. All right, what do I mean by that? I think that when you sleep, your body, which was broken down by the world throughout the day, gets to revive itself. It gets to restore itself. And then you wake up fresh again, right? When you are in Christ, your soul, which was broken down by the world, gets to restore itself, gets to rest in Christ. And you are made new again, fresh for a new day. I think there's actually great parallels between the two if we can see them. More on that in a second, though. But I think it's important just to simply physically rest, okay? Um, The second type of rest is recreational rest, all right? The Bible is filled with stories and even commands of various festivals and activities that God's people were supposed to do, that they were actually literally commanded to do, that actually celebrated joy or celebrated hard work or celebrated feast, like God had to command his people to celebrate. All right, you shocking with that? God had to command his people to celebrate. Why? Because by nature, we tend to not do that. I mean, isn't that true in our culture? We tend to not necessarily celebrate as well as what God has commanded us to do. And so God throughout the Old Testament said, hey, I want you to have this feast and I want you to rest during this time and I want you to do this, do this. All these things are for your celebration, for your recreation. So God is a recreational God. They were to celebrate the harvest, the Passover, several things, okay? Why? God is a recreational God. God is also a celebratory God, okay? If uh, uh, your picture of God is kind of mean, right? Folded arms, staring down at you, waiting for you to mess up, looking for you to do something next, do something next, you don't have a full picture of who God is because all throughout scripture, God is a celebratory God. He laughs, he sings, he dances, he allows us to celebrate. He says, hey, hey, go to this festival and and drink wine and, and bring your friends and celebrate together. I want you to celebrate. I want you to see the joy of what it is to be a part of my creation. God is a celebratory God. And so one of the ways that we can rest well is actually by celebrating 
or by uh, uh, enjoying the things that God has given us to enjoy. This is one of the types of Sabbath rest, even commanded throughout the Old Testament, okay? So remember back in Genesis 2 where God rests, and we said that God doesn't sleep, God uh, isn't slumbering, so what is he doing? Well, what he's doing is he's actually celebrating, Okay? Genesis 1, God creates the night, the moon, the stars, the sky, the sea, the animals, the mountains, the lakes, the rivers, all of creation. And then he creates man, and then he stops, and it says he looks over his creation and says, very good. Right? What God is doing is he's looking at the work that he just did and says, man, that's good work. Right? Now, that would be arrogant if it wasn't true, but it's just true. Like God made a lot of good things. When you look at the stars and the, and the, and the seas and the, and the trees and the human body and how complex it is, that's a good work. And so what God was doing was he was celebrating over his creation. He was enjoying his creation. God has commanded us to actually enjoy the work that we do to enjoy the things that he's given us to labor in. This is actually part of the hand of God is for you to enjoy your work, okay? And so as Christians, one of the things that we get the privilege of doing is enjoying the work that God has given for us to do. Are you enjoying your work? Or is it burdensome for you? Is it only burdensome? Is there no chance to pull back and to celebrate what you're doing? And if there isn't a chance to pull back, I would say you're missing part of what God has intended for you, okay? So um, this is very hard for me, okay? This is one of the things that I do very, very poorly because I always got to check the next email. I always got to talk to the next person. I have two roommates. One of my roommates was just like shaking her head at me, okay? Because she knows it's true, right? Like I'm always trying to work, trying to work. But God has, in his grace, given me the privilege to see different things at different times, like Baptism Sunday, we get to celebrate different testimonies that are happening. We say, man, this is why the well exists. This makes sense. We get to celebrate the work that God is doing in here. And so do you, right? Do you have those built-in times in your work life to be able to celebrate different things that God has allowed you to do with your hands, with your brain, with your mouth, whatever your profession may be? God has called us to uh, uh, enjoy the work that we do. He's also called us to just straight up enjoy, enjoy life, okay? Once again, God is not just a rule stickler who says, you can't do this, you can do this. If that's your picture of God, you have the wrong picture. What God actually says is, all these rules that I've given to you are actually for your joy. Like, if you do these, I know you will be more happy. I know you will be more filled. And I want your joy. That's all that we see throughout scripture. God is for our joy in him. And so he says, hey, do these things because they are for your joy and rest is for your joy as well as just enjoying things, okay? And so having fun, doing things that you enjoy, right? Like maybe you're very social and for you that means getting together with a lot of people and having a game night or having a barbecue and just hanging out at your house. Maybe you like working on cars, okay? I don't understand you. All right, but I believe that that is rest for some of you. For me, that would not be rest, okay? But maybe for you, it's rest. So you could just work on your car and then enjoy what you do after you're done. Maybe you like to wash your car or something, right? Do that. Do that to the glory of God, okay? I mean that, right? Maybe for you, uh, you really enjoy reading a book, okay? Or you really enjoy spending time in nature. You like going for runs and you like the aesthetic things. That Man, do that. God is for that. God wants you to do that. That is part of his creation uh, a, a mandate that we would rest while that we would enjoy the things that he's given us to do. So enjoy them. 
I love being around people and playing sports. And so from Friday night to Saturday night is my Sabbath time. And I try to do any work from Friday night to Saturday night. And I try to have people over one of those two nights because both my wife and I love to be around people. I try to do something active if I can or or hang out with my family because that's rest for me. Find a time, find a Sabbath season where you can just rest and you can just be, right? God's given you six days to work. You don't need to work a seven. Okay, and so uh, that's what you need to do. God is for your fun, okay? Uh, If you thought that God wanted your life to be lame, you have the wrong God, all right? That's not the Christian God, okay? That may be a different God. It's not the Christian God. God isn't for lameness in your life, okay? God is for your joy. God laughs. He's funny. He wants you to laugh and to enjoy as well, to just enjoy his creation. Uh, Anyone who cannot rest from work is a slave to work, by the way. Remember in Deuteronomy chapter five, if you're still there, you can look at it. It says, remember that you were once a slave to Egypt. In other words, you didn't have the opportunity to rest. You didn't have the opportunity to do what you wanted to do. But I pulled you out of that and now I want you to rest. I want you to be able to just enjoy. And if you cannot not work, if you have to work at all times, then you're a slave to work. Just like Israel was a slave to Egypt, right? Like work controls you. When your email goes off, if you have to look at it, then work is the Lord over you rather than you being the Lord over your work as we have called to be, right? To cultivate the earth and to multiply on it, to be over the earth was a Genesis 2 mandate, right? And so God is for your literal rest, okay? Um, Ephesians 5, we have to be wise, okay? I will say that. I do think that there are seasons where uh, rest is a lot harder to come by, okay? And so there may be a season where you're having to work and work and work because you're in school and, and you're also working a job and, 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 and other things are going on in your life, and that may be true, okay? But I would say if that season lasts for more than, I don't, what, six months, a year? I, you could be the judge of your own life, right? But if that season lasts too long, you're probably enslaved to it. And it's not as important as you think it is. Learn to rest, God has given you the freedom to do that, okay? Rest well. So David, at one point, was running away from King Saul because King Saul was trying to kill him. And it says he didn't rest on the Sabbath. And Jesus made it really clear he, did, he didn't break the Sabbath, okay? Because he was trying to save his life, all right? So it wasn't like, David, you need to sleep. Lay down in the field and go to sleep, okay? Like he could run during Sabbath, but even David tried to find time of solace, tried to find time of rest in the midst of all of that we see throughout the Psalms. So rest, it is good, okay? Um, three, uh, solitude, solitude-ness, rest. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I had to look up a thesaurus and a dictionary to figure out how to pronounce this word, all right? But it's the adjective of solitude, okay? So quiet rest, all right? Scripture commands us to be in solitude. I couldn't find a better way to say that, so I just extended that. You can give grace, all right? But to be alone, okay, to simply allow your brain to just kind of shut down and just to be, right? Just to, to sit still and to know that God is God. In fact, Psalm chapter 46, verse 10, a lot of you probably know this verse. It says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted in the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. So just be still. Remember what Dr. Uh, Hollowis said that the brain needs periods, even while you're awake, just to kind of sit and just to be Well, scripture knows this. God created us. He knows our brain far better than Dr. Hallowitz knows our brain. And and they both agree. They say, hey, there are times where you just need to sit and you just need to be. Not on your phone, not worrying about a call. Just rest. Man, just rest. 
I was really, really tempted to do that here this morning, okay? Instead, if you're in a community group, you're gonna do it in your community groups this week, okay? Or you're just gonna sit and just spend like three minutes and just rest and just not think of anything or only think that God is good. Know that he is God, that he will be exalted in the earth and just allow your brain to relax because I think what begins to happen in that moment is you realize things aren't as serious as your body tends to make them out to be. Like God is in control is what you realize. And you're able to give over that control back to him and release that burden off of yourself, okay? So um, I think that those are three ways that God has intended for us to rest. The fourth way I would say is spiritual rest, okay? And this one is by far, I think, the most important. I don't even think these other three make any sense or line up well without this fourth one, okay? There are two types of spiritual rest that we see all throughout Scripture, and one of them, I even hinted at earlier, that physical sleep gives us a small picture of is salvific rest, all right? Salvific rest. What I mean by that is a saving type of rest, a rest that can literally save you, okay? That our soul can rest in Christ knowing that he has done all of the work for us, that our souls can rest, okay? So Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30, says this. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in spirit, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What a great verse this is. If you physically are looking at a Bible, underline that, circle that, write awesome next to it or something, right? Because this is a phenomenal verse in scripture. If you have yet to understand Christ as your savior, if you have yet to enter into a personal relationship with Christ, if you have yet to really covenant yourself with the God of the universe, if you don't understand this type of rest, what a freeing verse this is. Look at, look at the verse. Jesus says, hey, come to me. If you're, if you're weary, if you are heavy laden, if you've been carrying around a ton of guilt or a ton of shame or a ton of a baggage, then, then come to me, he says, and I'll give you rest. A yoke isn't like an egg yolk, okay? It's the thing that you put oxen in. And so you uh, lock the oxen's head together and they go and they plow the land, right? He says, hey, my yoke is actually really, really easy. It's not, it's not burdensome. I'm not gonna drive you around and make you do tons of things and drive you into the ground. It's freeing. You come to me and you get rest. All the baggage, all the guilt that you feel, you can have rest in me, Christ says. And so there's a spiritual rest that I think the Sabbath rest the, the thing we've been talking about, that this is kind of the foundation of all of it, that all of those other rests are actually pointing to this very rest right here, that in Christ you can have freedom, that you can be free from your sins, that you can be free from your worry, that you can be free from your concern. Listen, that you can be free to not have to try to prove yourself over and over and over and over again to your employer or to your parents or to yourself or to whatever it may be, that Christ has already done all the work for you and that all you need to do is rest in him to be completely captivated by his love. He longs for your salvific rest. And so I have a feeling that there's a lot of you in here that actually don't know Christ like that. 
that you do still feel burdened, you do still feel guilt, that you do still feel uh, the bondage of sin or, or, or the desire to have to prove yourself over and over and over again. Man, I pray you would just let this verse minister to you. You let this verse speak into your heart and tell you, rest is, find rest in me, Jesus says. I hope that he is ministering to you even right now that he's trying to woo your heart to him. God is a beautiful God and a beautiful savior. He doesn't come to give you burden. He doesn't come to give you a list of rules to do or to not do. He says, hey, come into me and I'm gonna give you rest. Like I have a yoke, he says, there are rules. But as we just talked about, those rules are for your freedom. They're for your joy. I want your joy in me, Jesus says. Man, find rest in him. Find rest in Christ. The second type of rest is a sanctifying rest, okay? So if you've already come to know Jesus as Savior, if you've already come to know him as Lord, then next what you get to do is you get to actually be sanctified in Christ and find more rest in this, okay? Hebrews chapter 4, verse 8 through 11 says it this way. For if Joshua had given them, the Israelites, rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered into God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Do you see that? So you have rested from your work as God did from his. Just as God did in Genesis chapter two, if you have entered into Christ, you are kind of connected to the Imago Dei again. You have gone back into God's perfection. You can rest from your work, it says. Verse 11, let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that none may fall by the same sort of disobedience. See, what happened to Israel is a picture of what happened to us. What happened to Israel is they got that rest and then they kind of forgot God. So they got the land they were looking for, they, they got the prize, and they kind of forgot about who God was. And he's saying, hey, you be careful unless you fall into the same trap that Israel fell into. That once you receive the love of Christ, man, maintain in that love. So once you've received the gospel, allow the gospel to continue to work out through you is what this means. Once you've understood that Christ is for your joy, is for your rest, keep finding your joy. Keep finding your rest in Christ. Because the Sabbath is ultimately a picture of who Jesus Christ is himself. See, the book of Hebrews, what it's doing for us is it's saying, Jesus is the greater than blank. So chapter one, Jesus is the greater angel or the greater messenger of God. Chapter two, Jesus is the greater priest. Jesus is the greater Moses. Jesus is the greater prophet. He's the greater Melchizedek. All of these Old Testament pictures and analogies are actually pointing us to the greater than who is Jesus. And here it says, Jesus is the greater Sabbath. If you read throughout Hebrews chapter four, so this whole chapter is about that this whole idea of rest is actually truly found its ultimate purpose in Christ. And so if you've come to know who Jesus is, grow in him. Learn about him more. Taste more of his goodness. Savor who he is. Fall more and more in love with him because it is for your joy to do that. God is for your celebration. He's for your relaxation. He's for your recuperation, physically, emotionally, and most importantly, spiritually. God is for you. He wants you to be able to rest in him. So friends, I would encourage you, if you struggle with rest, whether that be a physical rest or, or whatever it may be, remind yourself of the gospel. That Jesus came to free you from the burden that you put on yourself so frequently. That you feel like you have to do more, 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 more. Jesus said, no, 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 no. Come to me. You can have rest in me. Let's pray.